Hi everyone, I have a special surprise for you guys today on the podcast. Today I have brought on one of my dear friends, Chofa Nguyen. Chof is an online coach. She has been through an incredible journey that has gotten to where she is today and I really wanted to bring her on to have the conversation about how life's journey is never linear. In fact, oftentimes we will face unexpected turns and turbulence that we could not have dreamt of. And that's exactly what Chof has experienced in her journey on becoming an online coach. And today we are going to be talking about how she faced huge obstacles, changed directions, and really achieved a high level of personal mastery. She's going to share what personal mastery is and also talk about some of the huge mindset shifts she needed to make in order to create a successful online business. This is going to be perfect for anyone who is seeing a bunch of obstacles in their way as they go through the journey of starting their online business. You want to stay tuned for this episode because it's a good one. I'm Navneet Mann, lawyer turned online entrepreneur. I help unfulfilled professionals start an online business that makes an impact so they can finally leave their draining careers and have ultimate freedom, control, and fulfillment in their lives. Using the power of self-discovery, subconscious science, and business strategy, I will help you transition out of your unfulfilling career and into a freedom-based business that you love. This is the Aligned Freedom Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Aligned Freedom Podcast. Today, we've got a special guest with us, my dear, dear friend, Chofa Nguyen. Oh, she told me not to call her Chofa. She goes by Chof, and I already messed it up. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Chof. Hi, Navneet Man. That's what it that's what it feels like when you call me Chofa. <laughs> it's very official. We're here on very um professional business, okay? Anyways, I'm really, really glad you're here. And I'm just so happy to be interviewing you. For those that don't know in my audience, uh, Chof is a really, really good friend of mine. Her and I speak regularly. We see each other regularly. We live up the street from each other and we are very familiar with each other's lives and businesses, and Chof has a beautiful story, and I really wanted to showcase it on the podcast and get um, in a position where I can ask her questions and share her amazing story with all of you. So I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so excited now. This feels like, you know, our usual hangouts every week, but on a more professional scale, if you will. <laughs> And a more focused one, if you will, and less, well, no alcoholic beverages as of right now. As of right now, there's no alcoholic beverages involved in the recording of this podcast, <laughs> but we cannot promise what's going to happen. I'm just kidding. All right. So let's dive in, Chove. I would love for you to just share who you are and what you currently do. And then we are going to get so much deeper into your story. Who I am. My name is Chof. Uh, I'm an online coach and entrepreneur. And 
Wow. How do we even summarize what that means for me? I feel like my journey in entrepreneurship has seen so many pivots and I've been in business for four years. You know, I um, started my business because I wanted to go into workplace consulting and then that transition because of COVID into coaching, mindset coaching, developed into sales coaching, and then we recently uh, launched a social media marketing agency. So that's just the Coles Notes version, but a whole lot of different things. Um, but at the core of it all, I have wanted to go into business to just be of service to others and to be able to leverage you know, my, my own experiences, my own skills, my education, the things that I love, the things that I feel come naturally to me to be able to help other people. You know, that's, that's really it. That is a beautiful summary of what you do and where you've been. And I know it's not easy to condense four years of your work and life into a short little introduction. I think you did a great job. One of the reasons I really want to have you on show and talk about your story and really dive into some of the twists and turns is because I think what you've been through is unique, but also very, very relatable. Uh, before we hit record, we talked about how the theme of this episode is essentially like life's unexpected journey and life's unexpected path. And I know you can speak to that on such a deep level. Before we get into some of the twists and turns, or I guess maybe one of the biggest twists um, in your journey was when you thought your path was going to be to go to grad school, right? So you are a psychology graduate and saw that straight line to what you thought would be a successful career. Can you tell us a little bit about what your intention was um, when you had decided you wanted to go into grad school and then what actually unfolded for you? Yeah, I love this part of my journey because I think it really was the turning point you know, um, so studying psychology was actually my second uh, return to post-secondary education. I'd already gone to school, got my event management diploma. I did wedding planning for three years, burnt out of that. Then I was like, I want to go back to school and study psychology. That was something I was always, always interested in. And I went in with the mindset of like, okay, I'm going to go all the way. I'm going to get my degree and I want to get my master's because there was this very um, strong message that was perpetuated. Like if you just have a psych degree, you're not going to be able to do anything. You're not going to make money, right? So you have to at least get your master's. So I was going back to school with that in mind already. I was like, I'm going to do, you know, at least a minimum of six years. And uh, I'm studying my, you know, psych degree, did my honors thesis literally just to get into grad school because I do not like research. <laughs> it was like an academic hellhole. It was torturous. I would never wish it upon anyone ever, ever, ever. It was the most stressful year of my life. Um, but I learned so much. And so anyways, um, doing the thesis, I'm like, okay, I've, I'm good. Like I did the thesis. I'm a smart student. I have great grades, like all of the things that I thought and my advisor thought would be like 
a solid application for grad school. And, um, you know, my parents were so excited. They're like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> someone in our family is going to get a master's. And then I even wanted to get a PhD. Like that was the plan, you know, anyhow, long story short, um, did all the things. And then all we got were rejection letters, like one after the other, after the other. And it was four rejection letters all in April, which was like pretty much, yeah, like a month and four years ago. Um, and it's so funny because I actually still have them in my email. I have them start just to remind me sometimes of like, do you remember this day? Because when I got the letters, I, I think I just blacked out (laughs) because in my mind, I had already planned like the next two to six years of my life. It was like, get a master's. I could start working and then I'll start my PhD after that. You know, I'd already planned out six years. I was like, okay, this is how much money I'm going to be able to make. Um, Like this is where I'm moving to because all of the grad programs that I applied to were in butthole nowhere in Canada, you know, and I was prepared to move. I had already had a going away party, like my last birthday party with my friends and my last this and this, like I was in my mind, checked out, moving, ready to go. And then when I wasn't going, I was just completely floored, like brokenhearted, devastated. I felt so um, just lost. Like I felt like that was my way out, if you will. Like I thought I had it all planned out. This was my, you know, this was going to be my life. And then it was just flipped on its head. And that was really it. Yeah, I, I can't imagine because having this idea of what your life is supposed to look like, right? Following all of those rules. We talk about it all the time, that societal expectation of I'm supposed to go to school. I'm supposed to get this degree. I'm supposed to go to grad school. And then everything is just going to fall into place. What happens when things don't work out as you're expecting them? Like you've already said goodbye to your friends. You've already prepared and checked out, like you said, How do you then start to reconcile what the next step is going to be and what the right next step is for you? I mean, my first like immediate reaction was I, I was honestly really embarrassed and like really ashamed. I was scared to tell my parents because I remember at, um, a family dinner that I had with my dad, maybe a few months prior, my dad was like raving to his friends, like, Oh, my daughter's la 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 la, all this stuff, you know? And I'm like, yeah, thanks dad. Like I'm excited too. But then it didn't happen, you know? And I had already told my mom and I said, mom, like once I get my master's, I'm going to have a stable career. And throughout all of university, I was working in hospitality, So the least stable of stable jobs, right? And so labor intensive too, you know, my mom saw and knew it was really, really hard on my body. And I told my mom, I said, mom, like, this is how much money I'm going to be able to make like minimum. I'm going to be able to help take care of you. Like, you're not going to have to worry about anything. Like I already had all these plans 
And so the first response, at least emotional response for me was just embarrassment and feeling really, really ashamed of myself and feeling like I should have done more or I should have worked harder. You know, I should have gotten better grades or my GPA should have been higher, should have done more volunteer work outside of full-time school, outside of full-time work, you know, um, but after that, I really allowed myself to just sit in all those emotions. And I remember being in my bed for at least a solid week, just eating ice cream and eating my feelings and crying and being like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, right. I worked so hard for this. You know, I gave it my all. I did every sort of extracurricular thing that you could think you would do as a, a, you know, a university student wanting to apply to graduate school. You know, I graduated with distinction because of my GPA, like all of the things, right? That textbook. Checked all the boxes, right? Right. And in my mind, it just, it wasn't it felt like it wasn't enough, you know? So the first step for me was actually allowing myself to sit in it. And um, I don't even know if I want to say allowing myself, because I feel like at the time it wasn't even an option. Mm. <laughs> like it was just all consuming. So I want to give myself the benefit that of the, like benefit of the doubt and be like, I allowed myself to, you know, <laughs> be sad. And... Self-awareness. Right. Exactly. And I do, you know, to an extent, but there was a huge part of it too, where it wasn't by choice. I just could not um, wrap my head around what had happened. It almost sounds like there was a mourning period for what you thought was going to be the next stage of your life. And it's not to say it's all over now, but that door had seemingly closed for you. And I think it's very healthy to allow yourself that time, whether you're doing it consciously, whether you're doing it because you don't really have an option at that moment. But it is so healthy for us to feel the feels when things don't go the way we expect. Because what we plan and expect in our lives, in our future, in our work, in our relationships, whatever it is, is only coming from that place of conscious awareness that you have at that juncture of your life, right? And I, of course, looking back, like hindsight is twenty twenty. but in that moment, I think a lot of people don't necessarily recognize that a closed door can mean, an, you know, an opening somewhere else, right? What do they say for every door that closes a window opens or something along those lines? So at what point did this mourning period, this, this sadness, this disappointment, and what you describe as that, that guilt and shame, at what point did that start to switch over and turn into motivation or, you know, figuring out the next step? And and how did you decide, like, what, where do I go from here? Because so many people get stuck at that crossroad and don't know what to do. Um. Yeah, I, you know, at the time, it felt like it was a longer period between like the mourning and the grieving of it all. But it was actually a span of I want to say two to three weeks. I want to say two weeks. It was like the beginning of April when I 
got all of my rejection letters and it was the beginning of May in which I um, registered my first business. Wow. Somewhere within that period of time. We are not wasting any time. (laughs) (laughs) So after all of the crying, you know, and being emo and all of those things, feeling all the feels, then I got pissed. Okay. (laughs) Which is like, great. Cause that's motivation. Right. Then I got like this, like fire in me of Mm -hmm. like, F you grad schools. You're not going to tell me that I can't help people in the way that I had intended to through grad school and then after Mm -hmm. graduating, you know, and um, I did my thesis on mental health in the service industry. And so that's what I'm really passionate about is workplace mental health and workplace wellness. And so after I was like, okay, you know what, I'm going to figure out how I can do this on my own. Um, I registered for a couple more certificate programs in workplace mental health. And then I was like, why don't I just start my own business? Like it and just at that like, point, like, I mean, I know you did uh, wedding planning, so you were kind of in business for yourself already. So you had that, that spark in you, but how does one go from having this thought and belief that you're going to have all this security through grad school and then being like, you know what, I'm just going to create this opportunity. I'm going to create something that wasn't available for me because I think that is the story that everyone needs to hear. That is something that is so powerful and many of us are waiting for the world and other people to give us the opportunities we want but you said I'm just gonna make it happen and here we go yeah I um I don't know if it was like a light bulb moment I think it was more just the sheer anger (laughs) of like the grad schools and being like mother effer you don't know like (laughs) you don't know how smart I am or like what I'm planning on doing or how I can help people and all of this. Right. And, um, I, it just, like kind of clicked and it was like, what am I waiting for? Like, I could just do this on my own, you know? And I think, um, it's maybe just a muscle that I've learned to exercise throughout my life. Like when it comes to not waiting for, circumstances to change, you know, and just, I just don't do well when people push me into a corner, Mm. you know, and I'm forced to just succumb to whatever it is, you know, and, um, I know this is kind of off tangent and, uh, I don't know if we're going to talk about this at all, but anyhow, a part of my story and how I feel like I've been able to navigate entrepreneurship really well is through my own experiences of living with chronic illness. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've learned living with chronic illness is that you just never know what the outcome can like may be, right? Good or bad, regardless of how much you're doing on your end, there's a certain extent that's just outside of your control, Mm. you know? And so in business, I just have always tried and in jobs and careers, I've just always tried to pave my own way and like make sure that I'm always exercising my own autonomy and doing so at least giving it my best shot before determining like, okay, there's, you know, no option here, or I can't do this. I have to at least figure out different ways to go about it before 
I determined that, okay, that's not it. And why is it so important to pave your own way to exercise that autonomy? Like, I know you touched on the fact that you do have chronic illness and life doesn't always go as expected or you there's so many things that are outside of your control. And of course, I mean, whether somebody has chronic illness or not, I, we can all experience things being outside of our control. So what made it so important to always feel like you can exercise autonomy? Is that something that is kind of like a part of your DNA or is that something that just felt important to you and why? Um, I think part of it is just my upbringing and understanding that when you have, you know, personal mastery and the ability to choose, you know, what your actions are and what your behavior is going to look like, the more power and control you have, you know, and then there's also just my education in psychology and through lots of research and studies that I've read, internal locus of control, right? Individuals who have a higher internal locus of control are people who are like over the long term, just happier. They're more successful. Mm. Um, they take on more opportunities, right? They put themselves out there. Um, they just do so much more because they feel this sense of control and ability to influence the external environment that they're in. That is so powerful. And I think that is something that's important to so many people, but they may not have actually put words to it like you have. I think you just said it so beautifully, that whole idea of personal mastery and the importance of being being able to decide, being able to make choices. Tell me more about your definition of personal mastery and how that's helped you kind of achieve more happiness, more success, more fulfillment in your own life, even when things have been outside of your control with your health and with work and with all, all the things. <laughs> oh, man, where do I want to begin? I feel like my head is like... <laughs> <laughs> so many, so many definitions and ways ways that I can explain this. But for me, I know that I have um, this ability to really like. I feel like I can manage my emotions really well, and I am really good at looking at things objectively before, like reacting right i'm responding versus reacting and that to me is personal mastery and how i know that i've done it well is when i look back at you know really stressful situations or experiences or um um bouts where i'm like i don't know super down or whatever the case may be or i'm super angry and i'm having a conflict with somebody are there moments where i regret what i said or what I did. Mm. And there are very little. You know, and that might come across as arrogant. But in my eyes, when I think about all of those experiences, it's because I've been able to take a step back in the moment, not be triggered, not have an emotional reaction. And like, look at it in a bigger picture, like what's really going on here? Yeah. You know, and not just want to attack 
right? Because that's where I feel like a lot of the emotional reaction comes from. And then later on, you look back at it and your mind is clear and you're like, you know, I shouldn't have said that. Or it was a superheated moment and I did da 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 da. You know, so for me, that's how I know that I've been able to master, you know, my emotions and my mindset and things that could potentially trigger me, but I'm just more aware of it, I guess. Yeah. And you mentioned that it might sound arrogant. I don't think it sounds arrogant. I think it sounds like you have done a lot of work to understand yourself. You've done a lot of work to understand how you may react, what you may prefer, what you don't prefer. And that's how we make decisions. That's how we make good choices for ourselves is when we know ourselves. And this is my problem with society and the way where um, we go through the educational system. And, you know, we're not really asked who we are very often. We may be asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you pick from a book of ideas, essentially, right? Something that you're just fed. But we don't teach children, at least as I was growing up, we didn't teach children how to have personal mastery. A lot of children don't know who they are. Therefore, we grow up being adults who don't know who we are. And therefore, we want to please everybody around us instead of filling our own cup. And that is seen as selfish or that is seen as, you know, what have you. But it's not it's not something that we're aware of because we've never been taught it. So that's why I really wanted to focus on that because we get into these situations sometimes in life where it can easily feel like life is happening to you. And how do we then react to this? How do we take control of the situation? How do we how do we behave in a way that is aligned with who we are? And I think that's when you get to a place where you don't have regrets about the way you reacted or a decision that you made because you're always coming from this personal power. You're coming from a place of really being solid in who you are. And that's what it sounds like, you know, you've achieved by just the introspective work that I know that you do on a daily basis, more than probably a lot of people. And I think that if we can all infuse some of that introspection and inner work in our lives, we would all be able to achieve a level of that personal mastery as well. Yeah, Nav, I think um, everything you shared there is so spot on. Like, unfortunately, it's just not what we're taught is personal mastery and also just emotional intelligence, like being mm. able to identify what is it, what it is that I'm feeling, right? If you can't identify it, how are you even supposed to be able to feel it and express it? Right. You just feel this discomfort of some sort. Um, and while you were talking, you know, what came to mind for me and how I've really nurtured and cultivated this muscle is and realized how important it was for me. And I know we've connected on this because our stories are very, very similar, but having a very chaotic childhood, a very toxic environment just made me more motivated to have a, like to create a different environment inside for me, right. To create an environment where it wasn't chaotic and where it didn't feel unsafe, you know, whether it was make-believe or whatever it was in my mind, that's where I knew that I had control of how I could create this safe environment for, you know, myself at that time when the outside was not the case and I didn't have 
this sort of, you know, power and control that I do now. Yeah. And do you think that's something that even growing up you were aware of, like creating that safer environment for yourself internally? I, at some level, I think I I do, uh, or I was aware rather. I remember having, you know, experiences with my parents and things like that. And always just escaping and I would Mm -hmm. always go right to the closet and I would just hide there for hours and be there with my own thoughts you know and like process whatever it is that I was processing or trying to make sense of things um but I do remember that at like a very very young age doing that and you Mm -hmm. know like I I remember you know my siblings on the other hand like my brother his reaction would always be like he would be so attached to my mom Mm. like he wouldn't leave her side whereas me my response always was I would leave I had to be by myself and I was like away you couldn't find me and I'd be there for hours and I would I know like I was in my mind creating a different environment or going somewhere or trying to make peace or something oh yeah I think there's so many different elements to this um that may have helped shape how you now deal with things. So many of us come from these upbringings or households where it wasn't ideal. It was it was chaotic. It was toxic in so many ways. And then we grow up trying to right that wrong. We grow up trying to be perfect ourselves. So then there is no like, no, you know, no chaos in our world, or we go completely the other way. And we try to make like our, whatever we can control completely opposite from what we, what we had growing up. And yeah, we've talked about this a lot and that's a part of, it's been a part of my journey and a part of what I'm doing and why I do the work that I do now. Um, which really is the most beautiful segue into what I wanted to ask you about your purpose. We talk so much about purpose and your deeper why. And I know we kind of got to your storyline where you started doing um, work in wellness. And of course, that evolved into doing mindset work and helping entrepreneurs Um And then that has further um, evolved since then. But tell me more about when you started to question or, or connect with your deeper purpose, your deeper why, why you're doing this, why you're showing up. You've mentioned a few times in this conversation that you wanted to help people and you wanted to serve. Not everyone is so aware or they may have that inkling and they might know that they want this, but they haven't really connected with a reason um, to do that meaningful work. So tell me a little bit more about your process and how you understood why you're here and the work you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of us have that sense of like, I want to help other people, but it's like how, right? And like, at what part of me is it that wants to help people? And I feel like the start of it was after I um, started going to therapy. So I started seeing a counselor regularly in like my early 20s, I want to say, like maybe 20 or 21 um, when I was in university. And I saw, I don't know, maybe, or I've seen four to six different therapists now in my almost 32 years of life. And one of the things that 
they've all said to me like an anonymous, not anonymously, synonymous, unanimously. 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 <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. This is what happens when you try to use big words, folks. Google it first. Okay. <laughs> unanimously. Um, what they've all said to me is, and they've always asked me this is, you know, like I've shared my whole life story with them, all the trauma and everything. And they've always asked me, why do you think that despite everything that you've experienced, why do you think that you're on this path? Like given all of your life experiences, all the trauma, all the stories that you've shared with me, you could have been on a completely different path, you know, a very unhealthy, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. path, right? And it always um, really like shocked me and humbled me because like, I, like, I don't know, you know, I just... I just didn't want that life, you know, and I just didn't want my upbringing or events or trauma to dictate my future. And I think at the core of everything that I've done in my jobs, in careers, in my business, in all of the pivots, it's always come back to helping people realize how much personal power they have you know, and when you're able to master your mindset, it will change your life. The trajectory of it, the healing of your past, you know, and it just changes everything. And I, I think agree. that that's, you know, the one thing that we have control over. So why don't you want to be able to exercise, you know, a hundred percent of the control that you do have? Ooh, that is so powerful. And there's so many directions I want to go with this because I think a lot of people don't understand how much power they could potentially have. And what personal mastery essentially is. I think a lot of people are victims of their circumstances and we feel, well, I can't do this because my job doesn't allow it. I can't do this because I don't have the money. I can't do this because I don't know how. And we always give ourselves this roadblock. And I see it time and again with my clients. I'm sure you see it with yours. It's, it's taking, I don't want to say people give up too easily, but we need to exercise more resiliency in, in my opinion. And we can do that when we build this personal mastery that you're talking about. So tell me if you were explaining to somebody how they could tap in and build their personal mastery. You said that that's something that, you know, you didn't want your upbringing, your circumstances, your health, your family life to dictate your future. Therefore, you tapped into your personal mastery and you want to show people how powerful they can be. So if you were helping somebody and kind of giving them the ABCs of personal mastery, how would you describe it and how can somebody tap into that themselves? I think the first piece, at least my first step was acknowledging all that had happened in my past and forgiving whoever I needed to forgive. Right. And it didn't necessarily happen with 
said person. It was more of just an internal forgiveness of myself, right? And practicing compassion and allowing yourself to actually let go of the resentment and the anger and the pain and the frustration and all of those things because when you're carrying that you would be so surprised by how number one heavy it is and also how that's where a lot of your thoughts feelings and actions are then derived from right so it's like now you're doing everything out of spite right because of these things versus if I allow myself to heal from them, I then get to actually, you know, intentionally and actively choose something different versus mm-hmm. acting because of these situations. If that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And that that really ties in amazingly the the power of choice right? You mentioned that if I'm holding on to this resentment, my thoughts, feelings, and actions are going to be derived from this. And that's something that most of us should be practicing and understanding is that how we think, how we feel, what we're already programmed with in our mind and our conditioning is going to drive what we do and the results that we have, right? So to change your results, to change your life, you need to start by changing what you think about, what you believe in, and kind of get to the crux of of what's really going on. And if you're constantly just thinking about, I had a tough life, I had these rejection letters, I had these tough circumstances, life's never worked out for me, well, then guess what you're going to get in return, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's also on that note, Nav, it's like, you can't carry all this baggage and then expect to have space to become this better version of yourself, right? You have to make space for these new beliefs and these new ideas, right? And all that's going to come with that. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad that you mentioned that, Chof, because it's not about throwing sprinkles on dog poop and saying it's something else it's you need to release right that step is so important you need to let go of the anger you need to let go of the resentment you need to let go of the feelings of shame or guilt or or being a failure whatever life gave you and it didn't work out the way you wanted it's about being able to process that and release it and almost become neutral about it in terms of feelings and emotions and then be able to call in the next thing and then grow from there. And I think that's an indication of somebody that has that personal mastery. It's an indication of somebody that has a level of awareness over over their thoughts and feelings um, and emotions, right? Like the high um, emotional intelligence that you spoke about. So if somebody is navigating this path and life isn't turning out the way they want, whether that is, you know, with work or with relationships or what have you, what do you, what can they do? How can they, you know, recalibrate? How can they start to release this? And how do they know what it is that they want next when things don't work out? And the only plan that they had, how do you start to understand, well, what do I want? Like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Like, because what I wanted didn't work out and I don't know anything else. So where do you go from there? 
Yeah, great question, Nev. Um, I feel like the first thing that I always go to is being curious and like really humbling yourself. You know, sometimes it's these honest conversations that are really, really, really hard to have with you and your ego. And I remember, you know, after getting all of my grad school rejection letters and maybe like after a couple months, really thinking about it and being like, did I really want to go to grad school? Wow. Did I actually want to go? And my immediate answer was no. I never wanted to go. I just did it because I felt like, okay, well, get a master's, get a well-paying job. It'll be secure, blah, 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 blah. My life will be good in five years, whatever. But my immediate answer was no. And so when those, you know, supposed doors close on you, right? Or the things that you were so set on that you're like, this is the plan and it doesn't go that way. That's the first thing I ask is like, did I really like actually want this? Mm. And more often than not, it's a, it's a hard no. And it's like, even, you know, with relationships, you know, <laughs> whatever. I'm like, did I really <laughs> whisper that? Did I really like that guy? No, he was a dickhead. Anyways, you know, <laughs> but every single time it doesn't work out. I'm like, did I really, really want this? Or was I doing this for other people, superficial reasons, because I felt like I just should expectations, pressures, whatever it is. Yeah. And then I just, I love this conversation because I think we can all be so much more curious. How do you give yourself then the permission and how do you have the confidence when you say, Ooh, the answer came back. My gut is saying, no, I didn't really want this because that right there is a powerful and pivotal moment, but it can also be quite a scary moment. And I know a lot of people listening are face this crossroads quite a bit where they have taken one path, they have followed, you know, that path to success, gotten their career in order, and then wake up one day or several days and realize I'm not happy. And they might be having this conversation with themselves saying, did I really want this? And when that gut check comes back as a no, how do you have the courage then to actually pivot and actually explore the next thing and and go for it. <laughs> I think my courage comes from a place of honestly gratitude mm. is that like when these experiences happen, I'm like, like, thank you universe. Because honestly, if I got into grad school, I probably would have went and I yeah. would have moved to God knows where for six years, said goodbye to my life, goodbye to my family, my friends, everything. Like I was prepared to do all of that. You'd still be there now. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Right? So it's like, the first thing is like, wow, thank you universe for redirecting me. And like, I was prepared to do this, but now you're showing me there's another way, right? So if you're telling me there's another way, then I better get my ass on it and start figuring it out. Because you've already just given me that redirection, mm. right? So that's where my courage comes from is like in those moments, I'm like, okay, this is not it. There's something better. 
So let's go find the better. Yes, yes, yes. I love this so much, Cho. If there's when things are not working out, there's always something better. You know, and we say this all the time when we have our conversations is you when you're wanting to call something into your life or you're manifesting or whatever, you know, your practice may be, just the concept of this or something better, because our brains cannot fathom or imagine what can be available to us until we start opening up our minds. So through that gratitude, I would also include just trusting, right? If you are somebody who is spiritual like yourself and myself, and you're saying like, okay, well, the universe has showed me that this was not the right path. And yes, I've taken the time to grieve it because I'm still human and I still have emotions attached. But if I can start to trust that this was actually not the right path, that means that there's something greater out there for me. And now it's my turn to do my job and move my feet and figure out what that is, right? And I often talk about this introspection, like you said, about being curious. And we talk about this a lot, but it's like, what are your values? What What is important to you? Because if if your gut comes back and says, no, grad school wasn't for you at some level, I'm willing to bet it was not aligned with who you are and your values as a person. Would you agree? Oh, never. Yeah. Never. It never was. And partly why I absolutely hated doing my honors thesis. That year was absolute yeah. hell. I remember the day of my defense. Like, oh, I'd never felt more anxious in my life. Did my defense. Everyone's like, well, who's so excited? I left and I cried wow. after because I just was so relieved it was over. And like I I had invited, you know, my um mom, my brother, my sister a couple of my best friends to watch. And afterwards they were like, let's go and have a celebratory dinner. And I was like, I don't have, I have nothing to celebrate. I am just so happy this day is over. And like, I should have known at the time, like, this is so not me. This is only one year. Grad school is like six years of research. And yeah. here I am like prepared to mentally prepared, at least to commit to that. And I feel like because I was, I did all the action steps, you know, I did the GRE exam, I sent in my applications, did all the things, the universe was like, wow, she was really willing to give up, you know, all of this to go after what she felt was her only option Mm. in order to help people. So instead, I'm going to help you out and show you that this actually wasn't meant for you. And there's a way for you to do this that's on your own terms. And that's going to feel so aligned with who you are and what you value. Right. It's more of a redirection, right? And I think so many people get caught up in having to go that path because they've already taken the action steps towards it, or they've already invested time or money right into that career path. And now they're like, oh, I need the return. I need that piece of paper to show that I accomplished this. And then I need to work in this field. And then boom, there goes years and years of your life and time that you could have spent actually creating the life that you wanted instead, right? So how did you determine, okay, this is how I'm actually supposed to help people. So tell us like, how you got into where you are now after this full circle and understood that that was a part of your journey. And I always say we bring all of our journey and our experiences with us where we are, but how did all of that lead to where you are now? 
I feel like it's just been a constant evolution of myself along with the nudges from the universe. Like every pivot and iteration of my business has been like, there's just been this inkling of like, I think I'm supposed to try this thing next. And it feels so scary and it feels like so overwhelming. And then I'm like, I don't know, something's telling me I this is the, you know, the next thing it was like from workplace wellness, COVID happened, obviously. So that was like a huge, like, okay, we're going to have to freaking figure out something else. <laughs> but after I did mindset coaching for like a year and a half, two years, um, then I had a nudge to start incorporating sales. And I was mm. like, mm-hmm. I was like, hmm, maybe. And then I kept thinking about it. And I was like, maybe this is it incorporated that. And then that just like blew up. And I was like, yeah. what the hell? Okay. <laughs> All right. And then the next thing is like another nudge. It was like, you kind of know something about social media. Are you sure? Okay. Well, okay, let's try this. And then I'm like, you know, and then it's just like these little nudges. And then I'm like, okay, this feels right. And then that's honestly how we've ended up here. <laughs> but you know what I get from your story and I what I love about the way you take action is that you listen to those nudges. I mean, nudges are coming to us all the time, but we're not always paying attention because it might not come in the way we wanted or the way we expected. Yet here you are with a like successful business. You were successful in mindset coaching and then you were successful in sales, but you were still like, oh wait, is there, what is this? What is this voice? What is this sign that keeps coming up? And of course you're like brilliant at social media. So no wonder that that's where your path led you, but it really does incorporate your entire journey. Like social media is about the way people behave. It's about mindset. It's it's about psychology. It's about everything. And like, I just always find it so fascinating when I see people's journeys, because when we're looking backwards, we can see all the pieces that are clicking together, even though they're not clear going forward. So yeah, I think that is one of your superpowers is actually quieting the the thinking mind and listening to those nudges. And then being able to take that aligned action towards them and say, I'm going to try this. Let's see if it works, not have any expectations. Of course, fingers crossed, but we're going to try and see what happens. And what would you say to people that maybe are at that place right now where something is not working? They're trying to listen for these nudges or they're trying to figure out what's next. What piece of advice would you have for people going through change right now? I would first just remind yourself of why you've chosen this path. You know, it's very easy for us to get caught up in the day-to-day of the slugging away, you know, and just the doing that we can very quickly forget, like, what is my whole why? You know, and that to me grounds me immediately and it just relights that fire under me on the hardest of days, you know, I immediately think about my mom and Rosie and my family, you know, like when I think about that, I'm like, there's no option. There's no other option. And when I consider my why, and then I also couple that with the fact that I'm, we're immensely, you know, blessed. We have so much more opportunity 
than previous generations, right? And so I feel as though it's our responsibility to really exercise all of the opportunities that we have available to us. Even if you fail, even if you suck, even if you make a fool of yourself, you know, the very fact that you're putting yourself out there, that's how you're going to keep building that muscle, right, of resilience. That's how you're going to build personal mastery. That's how you're going to build that internal locus of control. And you realize that at the end of the day, nothing can hurt you because you're just like unshakable within yourself, right? Your home is within yourself, but it's nothing outside of you. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my God, I'm going to scream. But that was so beautifully put. And that was just a great way to kind of summarize everything that we've talked about in this conversation, because what you just said is that you come home to yourself, right? So if you, as we're at these crossroads, as we're questioning our path, getting that recalibration, why am I here? And being able to handle the hard answers. If that is, I'm not supposed to be here and this is not supposed to work for me, it's something else, then having the courage to explore that. And if it's just a day where it's feeling really tough, but you know that there's something deeper, then it's having, you know, the courage to to anchor yourself in that as well. And I think with that comes fluidity and also just self-trust, like knowing that this is, I'm on the right path. But if we never question our path, we would never know whether it's right or not. Well, and also if you never take those courageous steps, you never develop the self-trust, right? Because yeah. you're never going to be able to see the the outcomes of your courageous acts, right? Yeah. And that your gut, you know, was right and was nudging you towards the right next aligned move for you, you know? And yeah. sorry, go ahead now. That's okay. Um, yeah, I think that that's, that's ultimately the only way that you can develop self-trust, right. Is by taking those scary leaps and trusting that, you know, this feels like the right next move, but also that let's say for whatever reason it isn't, you're going to be able to pick yourself up and you're going to figure it out and you're going to come back to yourself and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's being able to ask those questions, listen to the nudges, listen to those gut checks. If you're, if you find yourself wondering, like, is this right? Is this not right? Am I happy? Am I not happy in whatever situation in life? There's a reason why those questions are coming up for you. So ask yourself those hard questions and really listen for the answers. They might come in different ways. Not everyone has the strongest gut feeling you have to train that it's your intuition you need to start listening to it right it could come in a different sign from the universe but pay attention because this is happening for everyone it's not just chof that gets these you know <laughs> pings and nudges we all get them but we need to listen for them we need to be attentive and then we need to move our feet and take action when that does come it's not always going to be the easiest sometimes it's going to be scary but it's always going to be worth it mm -hmm. Totally now. Um, can I add one more thing now? Of course. When you were talking, it reminded me of an actual podcast that I listened to like a couple of weeks ago. And um, one of the things she mentioned around tuning in to figure out like, is this something that I want? She said, uh, the author is Brianna Weist. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I was listening to her podcast and I was like, oh my God, this is genius. <laughs> and she said, when you check in with yourself, if it's not 
an immediate yes, it's a no. Because after that point, when you're lolling over and you're like ruminating, what you're actually doing during that time is convincing your heart of something that your mind wants. Wow. And I was like, well, Jesus, that was hard to hear. (laughs) But I feel like it's true because your heart always knows what you want, like right away, you know, but it's like when we're like, "Mm," then we're trying to convince. Yeah. I will add one thing because from the lens of human design and what I've been learning is that not everyone has a strong gut check though. So some people do need to sleep on it. So it might not be an immediate yes, but if you check in, as long as there's no resistance, right? If you're feeling a lot of resistance and it might be your mind that's trying to convince, but sometimes checking in and saying, okay, let me sleep on this. And how we can start to flex that muscle of trusting our gut or intuition is starting like with small things like, do I want pizza for dinner or tacos? (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Those are the only two options in my I want both. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But like tuning in and saying, is this a yes or is this a no? And then we get used to what that gut is saying. And then you'll start to recognize, okay, this wasn't an immediate yes. That must mean that my brain is, you know, doing the work to try to convince me. But it is okay to take a moment and sleep on it, especially if you're not somebody who is used to asking yourself these questions. But at the end of the day, like you said, your heart always knows what's right for you. And the longer we suppress that, I think, and the longer we um, fight that, it's just, it's always going to come back. The longer we fight it, the more resistance we're going to feel. But what is meant for you is always going to keep showing up for you. And I know we've both experienced that in, in our lives. So sometimes you just have to open that door and walk through and explore what's out there. I couldn't have said it better. So good. Chofa, it was just so amazing having you here and having this conversation, a little peek into our discussions and happy hour chats um, that we have regularly. And I'm just so grateful that you shared so much of your wisdom with us. Thank you. Um, please let us know if people want to connect with you, where they can find you, um, how they can connect with you. Thank you for having me on. First of all, I feel like this is very good for us, you know, sober conversations, professional business, right? (laughs) It's always professional business. Super, super professional. Um, you can find me on Instagram. That's my favorite social media platform, I guess, if you will. Uh, my handle is at Chofanewin. Luckily, there's no one else with my name, so we don't have to fight for that. Um, so yeah, you can find me there. Awesome. And I will link that in the show notes and please go and follow Chof. She is amazing. She's great at what she does and is always sharing little nuggets of wisdom and is also just hilarious. So go and follow her. You're not going to regret it. Thank you, Cho, for being here. This was an amazing conversation and I can't wait to have you back. Thanks, Neff. I can't wait.